President Trump has just released his campaign policy platform for transgenderism, and it is simply magnificent. The left-wing gender insanity being pushed on our children is an act of child abuse. Very simple. Here's my plan to stop the chemical, physical, and emotional mutilation of our youth. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's cruel policies on so-called gender-affirming care. Ridiculous. A process that includes giving kids puberty blockers, mutating their physical appearance, and ultimately performing surgery on minor children. Can you believe this? I will sign a new executive order instructing every federal agency to cease all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any age. I will then ask Congress to permanently stop federal taxpayer dollars from being used to promote or pay for these procedures and pass a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. It'll go very quickly. I will declare that any hospital or healthcare provider that participates in the chemical or physical mutilation of minor youth will no longer meet federal health and safety standards for Medicaid and Medicare and will be terminated from the program immediately. Furthermore, I will support the creation of a private right of action for victims to sue doctors who have unforgivably performed these procedures on minor children. So Trump is proposing a private right of action for any citizen to sue doctors for transing the kids. But in the first part, Trump makes clear he's not just talking about banning transgenderism for kids. He's talking about outlawing it entirely at any age, which Trump makes super clear later in the announcement. We will promote positive education about the nuclear family, the roles of mothers and fathers, and celebrating rather than erasing the things that make men and women different and unique. I will ask Congress to pass a bill establishing that the only genders recognized by the United States government are male and female, and they are assigned at birth. What Trump is proposing would effectively ban transgenderism in all of its pernicious aspects from every area of society. This is the kind of bold, clear-eyed leadership that reminds me why I love Trump. It's also the kind of proposal that reminds me why I love primaries. Because Trump is not the first guy to propose clamping down on the trans nonsense. Governors and state legislators around the country are right now working to restrict transgenderism. Glenn Youngkin won Virginia on the issue. My own state of Tennessee has just moved forward on this issue. Most importantly, in this case, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has won lots of plaudits on the issue, specifically by restricting transgender ideology in elementary schools. So, since Ron DeSantis is currently Trump's chief rival in 2024, Trump now promises to go further, much further than DeSantis has. For now, who knows if and how DeSantis will respond. He might go even further than that. I know that lots of people don't like this kind of fighting. Lots of people want the 2024 primary to end before it begins. They either want Trump to drop out and endorse DeSantis, or they want DeSantis to decline to run and endorse Trump. But one of the best things about primaries is that they force the candidates to move further to the right as they attempt to outflank each other. Primaries toughen up the candidates. 
They reveal potential weaknesses, and they force candidates to take strong, conservative positions to win over the primary base. We are already seeing that happen in a big way on a very important issue. And we are still 16 months out from the Republican National Convention. At this rate, with these candidates, think of how much tougher we can make the eventual nominee before he takes the convention stage. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Big G, who says, I'm sorry, Michael, I have to defend Kamala Harris, and I do think she has a lot to say. I credit her for getting my kindergartner into politics, as finally there is a politician who speaks like a kindergarten teacher or a kindergarten student. You're so right. She does. She has, except I don't want to diminish kindergarten teachers. There are many wonderful kindergarten teachers out there. I, I, I still talk to my kindergarten teacher. I, I would hate to compare her to Kamala Harris. But Kamala Harris does, she says, wow, and then the rocket ship goes, and then it goes up. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Man, it's sort of like she would be a kindergarten teacher at a failing elementary school. It's not good. When I think back to my time in kindergarten, I think, wow, I'm so much older now. I got to make sure that I look good, that I keep staying vibrant and youthful. That's why you got to check out GenuCell. I am thrilled to be partnering with GenuCell Skincare. One, because the product is great. Their most popular package can take 10 to 15 years off your skin right now. And you can get it for 70% off with their latest breakthrough in skincare technology, a probiotic moisturizer, which is absolutely free. Turns out probiotics are not just good for your gut. They're also good for your skin. The other reason I'm so thrilled to partner, though, with GenuCell is I just love their story. GenuCell was founded by a Coptic Christian in Egypt who left Egypt to pursue the American dream. He started to formulate his products when a, when a customer came in and, and requested this one specific ingredient, and he sold it to her at material cost. He never thought he was going to make money at this. He was just he was just kind of running his shop, and uh, then it became very, very popular. Dermatologists started calling him about it. He is still involved in formulating all of the products. It's just uh, it's just a wonderful story. A great guy, great company. So head on over right now to genucell.com slash Knowles. For the first time ever, every order from now until Valentine's Day includes a beauty box with two luxury gifts, yours for free. Order now because you've only got two weeks left. genucell.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, genucell.com slash Knowles. I love it. I love that Trump announcement. I know, I know. Every conservative pundit in America is supposed to hate Trump now, and we're all supposed to say, we've got to move on from Trump. He's too old. He's, too, he's terrible. We all, I'm sorry, I love the guy. I'm sorry. Don't know what to tell you. I really like the guy. I'm not saying he's going to get the nomination. I'm not saying he, that the other candidates should drop out. I don't think so at all. There's, there are a number of very, very strong Republicans who could make a great nominee in 2024. Right now, at this moment, leading the pack, in the popular imagination is, is Ron DeSantis. He's doing a great job in Florida. But I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't totally throw out Trump. He's the best president in my lifetime. He, he knocked down Roe v. Wade. I, I just, I really like the guy. And I like that he is now staking out a very right-wing position. Don't forget, when the transgender question first was posed to Trump back in 2016, he kind of punted on it. The, the first time that that question came up to Trump, they, they asked him, uh, Donald, what is your view on the transgender bathroom laws in North Carolina? 
that ban men from going into the women's bathroom and vice versa. And Trump's answer was not simply that men shouldn't go into the girls' room. That was Ted Cruz's answer. Trump's answer was, I don't know, what were they doing before? Just let's just keep doing that. That seems like it was fine. I don't want to, I don't know, who cares about this transgender thing? Now, though, that's a very important issue. Potential rivals like Ron DeSantis have staked out pretty conservative stances on that issue. And so Trump is moving further to the right. And then you look down in Florida, DeSantis is continuing to fight on this issue. DeSantis is now uh, promising to stop sex change procedures on minors. You have, and this is sad, but this is going on, you're having, in our, in our society, they're giving teenagers, kids, puberty blockers. They're changing, their, they're doing sex change operations. And so we actually have very you know, young adults who went through this when they were minors, and they're saying this is a huge mistake. And in fact, it's not evidence-based when you start talking about sex changes and puberty blockers. So we've worked through our department or our um, medical licensing board to say that you in the state of Florida, if you're performing uh, those procedures um, on these minors, uh, you're going to lose your medical license here in Florida. So that is happening. We're also going to work with the legislature to make sure that we put that into statute so that you're able to have, uh, have accountability in that sphere. Really great stuff. If you trans the kids, you're going to lose your medical license. I love this. Now, this position is not as far right as the, as the position that Trump staked out in that policy platform. DeSantis's position is don't trans the kids. Trump's position is don't trans anybody. We're going to outlaw this gender ideology everywhere. So the question then that I would have for DeSantis is, is he not going further out of principle or out of political necessity? It could be the case that DeSantis is not going further, at least not yet, because it's very difficult to. And there's not a huge outcry to ban transgenderism generally. The big outcry is to stop it in, in the elementary schools. That's why you had the, it was maligned as the don't say gay bill, but its defenders ended up calling it the, the wait till eight bill, which is that you couldn't learn about transgenderism in elementary schools until you were in the fourth grade. Do you think that's the bar now that we've set? And, and even that was controversial. So is it, is it political necessity? If that's it, then I'm, and I think DeSantis is doing a fabulous job. Or is DeSantis limiting his attacks on transgenderism out of principle? You, you've heard many people say, well, listen, I don't care if a, if a grown man wants to chop off his genitals and put on a dress and call himself Sally, that's his right. He's got a right to do that. This is America. And if you want to strap on stilettos and put a little makeup on your giant Adam's apple and head out there to the bar and pick up some confused man. That's your right to do it. Of course, there is no such right. There, you have no right to change your genitals. You have no right to pretend to be the opposite sex. This has never been <laughs> considered a right ever in American history. There have actually been many laws against this sort of thing, even in liberal places like San Francisco. Uh, but if, if that's the principle, this kind of radical libertarian, you do you, just don't make me pay for it, and don't, don't do it to the kids, that's a little squishy to me. That sounds a little squishy. Nobody has a right to transgenderism. It's deeply disordered. The people who are doing it obviously have a lot of problems going on in their brain. They, a compassionate society will give them help and dispel their delusions, not indulge their delusions. If it's out of political necessity, which I suspect it is, Ron DeSantis is a very smart guy. <laughs> and I've, I've only met him on one occasion. He was very impressive. I watched him give a speech. 
the spe- I felt I could have written every syllable of that speech. I agreed with it. So I think he's on the right page here. But, but, and, and talk is cheap, so you can offer a policy platform. But if you're actually doing something, I think that's going to carry more weight. But we've got to suss this out. We've got to make sure in the 2024 primary, it, it is, yes, of course, we shouldn't trans the kids. That should be the base level. But we should go further. Why shouldn't we trans the kids? Because transgenderism is absurd and wrong and harmful to everybody. And it's an anthropological lie. And, and we should therefore not indulge it for anybody, okay? We need to have a sane, normal society. And we need to make sure that whoever is the eventual nominee recognizes the problem is not just that we're transing the eight-year-olds and they need to wait till they're 12. We need to stop transing everybody because pretty soon we're going to have a trans society and up is going to be down and left is going to be right and truth is going to be considered falsehood. When you're worried about social turmoil, you've got to check out Jace Medical. If the past couple of years has taught us anything, it is that in a crisis like a global pandemic or a natural disaster, even the basics can be very hard to come by. You've got to be prepared for anything. Jace Medical is here to help. Jace Medical helps you get a long-term supply of prescription medication. Their mission is to empower you to be better medically prepared. A great way to start preparing is with the Jace case. It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a whole host of bacterial illnesses. Pretty common stuff, UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and more. All you've got to do is fill out a simple online form. In some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. From there, you can ask your physician treatment-related questions on an ongoing basis. I just love this. I'll put it really bluntly. China invades Taiwan. Our supply system is over. The supply chain gets broken, and not only are you going to want food and basic stuff, you're, you're going to need medication. Just prepare now. You've got to get the Jace case. Be like the Knowles's. Okay, I want you to be prepared for anything. Go to jacemedical.com, code Knowles at checkout for a discount on your order. That is Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com, promo code Knowles. Speaking of Florida and, and uh, Ron DeSantis fighting the culture wars, you know there was this story about the AP Black Studies curriculum. There's a course out of the college board. It's for a new AP class. AP stands for Advanced Placement. These are supposedly college-level classes that people take in high school. But they're actually just high school classes. They're just slightly more advanced. And so so, uh, the teachers flatter the students by calling it a college course. But they're taught in high schools. This is for kids 14 years old to 18 years old. And this black studies course taught all sorts of crazy things about queer studies, about feminist studies, about anti-whiteness, about all the rest of it. And so DeSantis says, we're going to boot this out of Florida high schools. Now, of course, the libs call him a big, terrible racist. But one Florida Democrat county commissioner who happens to be a black man is agreeing with Santis. He says, this is Leon County Commissioner Bill Proctor says, I think it's trash. There's grave concern about the tone and the tenor of leadership's voice from the highest spaces in our state being hostile to the teaching of African-American history. Frankly, I'm against the college board's curriculum. I think it's trash. It's not African-American history. It is ideology. I've taught African-American history. I've structured syllabuses for African-American history. I am African-American history. And talking about queer and feminism and all of that for the struggle for freedom and equality and justice. Black history has nothing to do with queerness and feminist thought at all. Totally Totally agree. He's obviously right. And it shows you 
what the Democrats are counting on. What the libs are counting on here is that they can call anything they want black. They can call anything they want, you know, a, a women's issue. They can, they can, they can call any crazy thing they want a civil rights issue. And then they will divide people based on race and sex. So they, they take this radical course based on the uh, cultural developments of 20th century Western Marxism, critical theory, which is what all of these studies courses come out of. And they say, okay, well, we're going to teach you about weird gay stuff and weird feminist stuff and all sorts and anti-white people and to hate the Western civilization. But as long as we call it black studies, no one's going to be able to criticize it. And then this black county commissioner says, um, I can criticize it. Why the hell are you teaching people about weird queer stuff under the banner of black studies? Doesn't make any sense. It's, it's transparent. All it requires is a little bit of courage from people to say, hold on, you're not going to pull the wool over my eyes. Don't tell me, don't tell me <laughs> that pushing transgenderism is somehow essential to teaching the black experience in America. Give me a break. And, and so the, the pushback from the state obviously starting with DeSantis, but other people like this county commissioner, it's working. The college board has now revised the black studies course and, and said that they'll tone it down a little bit. So they, they're taking out aspects like black, black queer studies, intersectionality and activism, black feminist literary thought, the reparations movement, these writers, Kimberly Crenshaw, the communist terrorist, Angela Davis. They're, they're now apparently removing all of these things and adding in new student project sections that, that will replace them that are somewhat less controversial. This, again, is, is where I, I love the primary process. Because don't kid yourself. I know DeSantis hasn't declared he's running yet, but he is, practically speaking, running for president right now. He's got his campaign book coming out. He is being attacked by the only declared Republican candidate right now. He's holding press conferences constantly. He's raising a lot of money. So, you have to view what's going on in the state of Florida through the lens of the 2024 Republican presidential primary. And that's a good thing. I like that because it's, it's go, DeSantis is already moving to the right. He's already doing a great job governing in Florida. This is going to increase the pressure to go even further to the right. And what I would say here is stand firm. Black studies has no place in high schools. Women's studies has no place in high schools. None of the critical studies departments and pseudo-academic disciplines have any place in high schools. Those studies disciplines are, are a thinly veiled uh, ideological lesson plan for a, a left-wing activism that is grounded in the Western Marxist tradition. That's all it's about. It's about the Frankfurt School it's about the new left of the 1960s, some of the exponents of the Frankfurt School, like Herbert Marcuse. It's about a radical uh, leftist agenda that says that, that the activists are going to go into the schools, they're going to uh, transform the common sense, they're going to achieve cultural hegemony, and they're going to have a revolution, not by convincing the workers of the world to unite and throw off the shackles at the, at the factory, but by poisoning the minds of Westerners to hate their own country, to hate their traditions, and to, to disavow the greatest achievements of their culture. Kick this crap out of the schools. I don't care. I'm glad they got rid of intersectionality lessons in the class. I'm glad they got rid of the weird queer stuff. It's not enough. Get rid of the studies departments. Teach history. Teach English. 
teach math, teach biology, teach normal subjects that will edify students and help their education. All this radical studies kind of nonsense, get it out of there. Look at what they're doing at the State University of New York right now. So SUNY, which is the state university up in New York, they've got a lot of campuses. All 64 campuses will now require freshman students to complete a diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice course. This will be a requirement for graduation. Now, you'll, you'll hear the squishy people say, well, this is, uh, this is an assault on academic freedom. You're going to hear the squishy people on both sides say that. This is an assault on academic freedom to try to ban the DEI classes. Or this is an assault on academic freedom to require students to take the DEI classes. But I have no problem with students being required to take certain classes. In fact, I, I wish that I had been required to take more specific classes. I, I wish that the common core curriculum, not common core like the... Uh, <laughs> terrible math program in schools. But I mean the the core, the Western canon, the great books, I wish that were still being mandated in schools. It no longer is. I see no problem with requiring students to take some classes. They just shouldn't be required to take these classes. The principle that's operating here in these liberal schools, certainly at the State University of New York, but you're even seeing it with the movements from the public schools in Florida and elsewhere around the country, it's the same principle as a Catholic school requiring students to take a catechism class. The, the Catholics make you learn the catechism, and the libs make you learn diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's just the, the moral framework, the basics of the faith for, for two different faiths, one being the Christian faith, the other being liberalism, being leftism. So that's what they're doing. It was always that way. The, the universities in America all began as seminaries, the, the really great prominent universities, and they are still seminaries. They're, they're just no longer seminaries for Christianity. They're seminaries for liberalism. They're, they're seminaries for leftism. We, we shouldn't be shocked when they mandate these kinds of courses. We should stop it. But in order to stop it, we're not going to be able to just make these weak procedural arguments or these, these abstract arguments about academic freedom that are ultimately incoherent, especially because academic freedom is not something that conservatives traditionally even like. The modern conservative movement was launched making fun of academic freedom, as I mentioned on the show yesterday. The, re, the way that we've got to stop these courses is by granting the premise, yes, this, the schools have every right to force students to learn certain things. Just not that. We, we have to make the argument on the substance. DEI is wrong. The black studies curriculum that is being formulated by a bunch of communists to teach students to become queer and to hate their civilization, that's wrong. Don't do that. Get that out of there. We've got to make sub substantive arguments. Conservatives are getting better and better at doing that. This really began during the Trump era. Let's keep it going. Let's keep the pressure up. And you know, on Friday, I will get to hear from you in one of my absolute favorite times of, of the whole week. That would be the voicemail bag. Some people have written in, they're not quite sure how to submit a voicemail bag question. The way you do it, you go to the Daily Wire website, you go to the show page, you click the Michael Knowles show. Now you're already a member because you've gone to dailywire.com slash Knowles, you've used code Knowles, you're a Daily Wire plus member. You click on submit a mailbag question, it opens up an email, and then you attach your voice file. You can record this voice file on your phone, you can record it on your computer, you can record it on a tape recorder and then somehow make it digital. Whatever you want to do, keep it to under one minute, 
submit it in the email, send your question in, and then I will get to hear your mellifluous dulcet tones on Friday. Speaking of New York, illegal immigration is not working out so great for a sanctuary city. You know, New York said we're a sanctuary city. Please come here, surge, give us your poor huddled masses. And then the moment that Greg Abbott in Texas and Ron DeSantis in Florida actually ship some immigrants up there, all of a sudden they say, whoa, whoa, we're getting too many immigrants. Cut, cut that out. Why are you sending immigrants up here? That's no good. And so New York has put them up in some hotel rooms. The, the illegal aliens don't want to leave those nice hotel rooms now. The New Yorkers are sick of footing the bill for this. Even the mayor is st- starting to pull his hair out. What is the reality of illegal immigration? What the libs tell us is illegal immigration is poor women and widows and orphans and little doe-eyed dreamers. They're just yearning to be free walking across the border. How dare you turn them away? The reality of what we're seeing in New York, a little bit different. How many migrants were at your hotel? Um, actually, it's the entire hotel from the third floor to the 28th floor. And what, what are you witnessing? What did you see from the migrants that were staying in your hotel? Chaos, total chaos. I mean, there's no accountability. The city, so-called, running the program, um, allows these people to destroy these rooms. There is no uh, daily supervision to show these people that this is a hotel and that you don't destroy the hotel. You're only there temporarily. This is not your home. Um, Unfortunately, uh, the ones that are paying the price is the hotel workers. Uh, local six union workers. Those guys and those ladies um, endure a lot of disrespect from the migrants. And there are some nice migrants, but there's too much alcohol, too much drugs, and too much violence. And you have teenagers, you know, uh, going into the staircases and making out and like it's a lover's lane. I mean, you know, this is a free fall for all. A little bit different than what we're told by the libs. And, and this is a guy who is a worker at one of these hotels. I suspect this, this man is not racist against the illegal immigrants. This is not about racism or anti-Hispanic bigotry. He's just seeing what he's seeing. And he's saying, man, we got to stop this. This is bad. This whole hotel is full of these migrants. It's mostly, if you look at the cameras, it's mostly young men because the uh, contrary to what we've been told, most of these migrants are not fleeing political persecution. Most of these migrants are not full family units just seeking a better life. It's, it's young men seeking economic opportunity. And they're not behaving in a way that is particularly respectful of the, their host country. Obviously not. Their very first act as would-be Americans is to break one of our most basic laws. Not very respectful. So the fact that they're trashing this hotel in New York, not surprising to me at all. That's the reality of it. It's very, very expensive for the people of New York. And it's going to be more expensive to fix up these hotels. Speaking of expensive things, Bernie Sanders, America's favorite socialist, has a new event for his new book. The event in the book are called, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. And if you want to go to the event about the book, about how it's okay to be angry about capitalism, you can do that for the low, low price of $95. Bernie, see, he's got cheap tickets too. He's got the $35 tickets, but the tickets go up to $95. This will be hosted on uh, March 
1st in Washington, D.C. Uh, the book is available from Penguin Random House. It's $28. It's pretty expensive for a book, wouldn't you say? And Penguin writes, quote, reflecting on our turbulent times, Senator Sanders takes on the billionaire class and speaks blunt truths about our country's failure to address the destructive nature of a system that is fueled by uncontrolled greed and rigidly committed to prioritizing corporate profits over the needs of ordinary Americans. Notice, Bernie is no longer talking about the millionaire class. <laughs> he used to, for most of his political career, he would inveigh against the millionaires and the billionaires. And then, a few years ago, he dropped the millionaires part. Now he only inveighs against the billionaires, the billionaire class. And the reason for that is Bernie became a millionaire. And so the moment that Bernie became a millionaire, then the millionaires were okay. Now, now it's just the billionaires. Pretty much the only bad people are the people with $1 more than Bernie Sanders has. And he's about to get a lot dollars more, many, many more dollars than he previously had because he's going to sell this book and he's going to sell tickets to his event. Now, Bernie does have a slight point. He doesn't know that he has a point, but he does have a slight point. Most conservatives looking at this, at least most conservative pundits and politicians looking at this, they're going to say, how dare you, Bernie? Capitalism is the greatest thing ever. There's nothing wrong with capitalism. We're all ardent capitalists. Capitalism is the greatest thing since sliced bread. The, the thesis that Bernie is advancing here, it's okay to be angry about capitalism. He's got a little bit of a point. I don't know when conservatives became the capitalists. We became the promoters of capitalism, or really almost any ism whatsoever. I'm skeptical of pretty much all isms. And let's not forget capitalism is a word that was popularized by Karl Marx, okay? What does it mean? What is capitalism? There are plenty of problems with capitalism. If by capitalism we mean the modern system of industry, the way that the economy works, there are problems with the way the economy works. Now, Bernie thinks there's problems with the way the economy works because he wants to steal all the money from anybody who's richer than him, and he wants to flatten out society, and he wants the workers of the world to unite in a proletarian communist revolution. All right, that's all wrong. But I've got problems with the way the economy works. I think the way the economy works right now is rigged against, against many good Americans. I think that it can be terribly destructive to traditional culture. I think that it is often being wielded by political elites who are simply trying to enrich themselves and grow their own power and pursue their own bizarre utopian vision rather than actually support the common good of the United States. There's, that's, that's plenty true. That is plenty true. I think about the, the William Blake poem, Jerusalem, where he's, which then became a hymn, where he, he asks, and did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountains green? He's, he's talking about this legend that Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus to England. And he's saying, and was the holy lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? And, and then he, he, you think, why is William Blake talking about this, this wild legend of Christ in England? And then, then he gets to the point in the second stanza of the poem where he says, was, was Jesus actually here in this land which, which we now find ourselves among these dark satanic mills. That's the phrase, the dark satanic mills. What is Blake talking about? He's talking about industrialization. 
there are plenty of dark things about industrialization. Our modern industrial society has broken down the family, broken down communities. It's turned us all into mass consumers. It's made us all very materialistic. It's, it's degraded mankind into a kind of widgets for an assembly line rather than full integrated human beings. Yeah, those are real problems. Those are totally real problems. I don't think the solution is, is Bernie's communist revolution, but we can work on that. There are right-wing critiques of modern capitalism. After all, it's a term promoted by Marx. So we don't, we don't need to throw the cultural improvement out with the, the Bernie bathwater, but we also shouldn't give him $95 to read his stupid book. Speaking of the libs, uh, good news, though a little bit scary, an MSNBC host is okay, she's recovered, but she just came down with myocarditis. This is a young, healthy woman came down with myocarditis. It's kind of weird. Had you ever heard the term myocarditis three or four years ago? Had you ever heard that term once in your life? I don't know that I had. If I had, I'd maybe once or twice. Now we hear it all the time. Now these young people seem to come down with it. This is Yasmin Vazugian. She is a very healthy MSNBC host. She received all of her COVID booster shots. I'm just mentioning that coincidentally. Here's her story. I want to remind you, I run seven miles three to four times a week, or I did. Um, I do yoga. I don't eat meat. I don't smoke. I drink occasionally. Not right now, though, because my doctor tells me I can't. Aside from probably not getting enough sleep and working too much, I'm a pretty healthy person. But on that day, I was anything but. My husband drove me to the emergency room, and from there, the nightmare that has been my January began. I was diagnosed with pericarditis, inflammation of the lining of my heart, brought on by a virus, a literal common cold. I also had fluid around my heart that had to be drained or else it could hinder the beating of my heart. I was hospitalized for four nights and transferred from a local hospital to NYU Langone here in New York City. On January 4th, I was finally discharged after doctors drained the fluid around my heart and I bounced out of the hospital. I couldn't get out of there fast enough with the hopes I was on the mend, but that was not the end. Three days later, I was readmitted when I felt a flutter in my heart, like a butterfly. It was inside my chest. They determined I had developed myocarditis. She goes on, not just pericarditis, myocarditis, pretty, pretty scary. How'd she get it? A common cold, she says. Common cold. You'll notice that as the cases of myocarditis and pericarditis seem to spike in lots of different populations, they seem to come out of nowhere. Everyone shrugs their shoulders. They throw their hands up. They say, wow, gosh, where did this come from? And then they'll start pointing to potential culprits. Could be the common cold. Could be the COVID virus itself. Could be, I don't know, some people have suggested eggs. I think that, I think that was just a joke, that it was the eggs that gave you myocarditis, but they point to all sorts of, there's only one thing that you are not allowed to suggest is giving anybody myocarditis. And it happens to be the, the new experimental thing that was introduced in the last couple of years. It happens to be the new experimental thing that is clinically associated with myocarditis. And we all know it. You know that thing? I don't, am I allowed to say it on YouTube? That, you know that thing that, uh, that certain people made other people get in their arms? And, but you're, we all know it. We're just not allowed to say it. Listen up, folks. We have been running a massive 40% off sale for annual memberships. It ends tomorrow. 
Don't miss the chance to celebrate one of the greatest moments in Daily Wire history with one of the greatest offers. That's 40% off annual memberships with code do not comply. The deal ends tomorrow, so do not wait. One year ago, we sued the government over its terrible, tyrannical vaccine mandate. We won. Celebrate this victory with us by joining the winning team. When you join, you get access to the best content and one of the fastest growing libraries. We're adding a ton of new content this year with kids, more movies and shows, hard-hitting documentaries, and more. This is your last chance to get 40% off your new annual membership at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code do not comply. Sale ends tomorrow. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. Lock in your discount to enjoy all our great releases coming soon. Speaking of vaccines, Project Veritas. Speaking of things you're not allowed to say on YouTube, Project Veritas just came into some apparently leaked guidance from YouTube after Project Veritas revealed on hidden camera a Pfizer executive talking about how Pfizer was planning to engage in gain-of-function research, directed evolution research to beef up viruses to make new vaccines to make a lot more money. So James O'Keefe and Project Veritas released the video, and then then we find this urgent guidance about the Project Veritas video. What happened? A clip uploaded by Project Veritas featuring a Pfizer official is rapidly spreading on the platform. The video, when uploaded in its entirety, contains a timestamp that violates the COVID-19 vaccine misinformation policy for making a categorical claim that COVID-19 vaccines are ineffective and should therefore be removed unless it contains sufficient EDSA CRC. When reviewing any re-uploads of this content, be sure to confirm that the following violative timestamp is present. It's quote, our undercover journalist asked Walker how Pfizer is handling the fact that their COVID vaccines are ineffective against virus variants. What he said is disturbing. Listen to this. Check the four corners and metadata for EDSA that clearly contradicts the violative timestamp. And then the action you take is strike it or approve it if it doesn't include that timestamp. Why? Well, because of the misinformation policy. Okay. So you see, the way they're doing it is they're saying, well, because of the context of the narrator setting up the scene in which the Pfizer executive admits that the COVID vaccines are not totally the most effective thing in the world. I don't know. What am I supposed to say to not get another strike on my YouTube channel? I don't know. Well, whatever it is, that because of that line, they're trying to take the, the clip down. So this raises a big question. Who decides what COVID misinformation is? Who decides? The Pfizer executive is admitting on camera that the vaccines don't work the way we were told they would work. So if Pfizer can promote misinformation about COVID, who determines true information? Fauci, Walensky, who's the head of the CDC, Joe Biden, they all came out and they said, if you get the Fauci ouchie, if you get the shot, you will not get COVID and you will not transmit COVID. All three of those people said that. They later admitted that was not true. And I remember when we were covering this on the show at the time, I quoted them. I quoted Fauci, Biden, and Walensky. And I was then told that part of the show has to be clipped out on YouTube. Obviously, it could continue to live on RSS and on the Daily Wire Plus, but for YouTube, it would just be, it would be taken off of YouTube. 
if I quoted that because it would be spreading misinformation. I said, how, how can I receive another strike for quoting the public health authorities? Well, because it's misinformation. Says who? Who determines it? I agree. Fauci is completely full of it. I don't trust a word he says about public health. I agree. Same thing with Walensky. Uh, certainly, I agree with Biden. Certainly, I agree with Pfizer. I agree. But now you agree too. So then who's the authority? I think I'm more of an authority than Dr. Fauci. I think you, random Joe, I'm, t- I'm speaking to whichever listener right now is out in the middle of nowhere with the absolute least degree of medical education. You, I trust more than I would trust Dr. Fauci. But really what YouTube is saying here is we determine it. Yeah, we pretend that we're just following the science and the people in the lab because we don't care what they have to say. If Pfizer says something that we don't that we don't like, or if we got to bail Pfizer out because they got caught on a hidden camera, then we're just going to determine it, and we're going to put strikes on you, on your on your channel if you dare to say it, and we're going to censor you. We're going to censor you for paraphrasing, if not quoting outright, a Pfizer executive. Speaking of censorship, meant to get to this story last week, didn't have time. Directv has decided to drop Newsmax. You know I love Newsmax. I've appeared on many Newsmax shows. This after DirecTV decided to drop OAN, another channel I like a lot, appeared on a lot of OAN shows. Why did they do it? Well, according to DirecTV, they say they're doing it because Newsmax asked for rate increases, which, quote, would have led to significantly higher costs that we would have had to pass on to the broad customer base. Doesn't seem very credible to me. When I think of the relatively low carry costs for all of these conservative channels, and the fact that plenty of TV stations raise their costs as inflation increases, as their business changes, and DirecTV never seems to to cancel the liberal channels. DirecTV only, which is owned by AT&T, only cancels the conservative ones. A good example, Representative Wesley Hunt from Texas, Republican in Texas, just pointed this out. He said, I'm sure DirecTV will claim that removing Newsmax from their lineup of channels was purely a business decision, but that's hard to accept when liberal news channels like Vice Media continue to remain on the air. Vice is a ratings failure for DirecTV, yet they continue to profit from their relationship with DirecTV. So obviously, it's just an attack on conservatives. It's just censorship. What do we do about it? There are not that many TV carriers. What are we going to do? Are we going to say, well, build your own ATT, build your own gigantic, previously, (laughs) build your own state utility, and build, build your own even private telecoms company, and then buy up your own TV network, meaning your, your own TV service? I don't think so. The answer to this used to be the new media. You'd say, well, just have your own podcast. We'll just have your own but, but even there now, a handful of oligarchs are controlling that. The only answer is political action. Look at what Disney's doing right now. One of the stars of a new Disney show has, has uh, just come out to express hope that the show will appeal to transgender children by validating their views. And uh, this is a young woman named Zoe Tarakis. She's surgically had her breasts cut off by some quack doctor. She identifies as, quote, non-binary and transmasculine. She says, I think as trans people growing up, I didn't get to see myself anywhere, so I didn't really know that I existed. You didn't know you existed. 
not cogito ergo sum. And especially not in a hero, superhero show or movie. And so I think I just feel deeply grateful and moved that little trans kids and trans teens have something to look at and to know they exist and to know that they can have superpowers and that's where we belong. So this is obviously terrible. I'm sure the content is going to be terrible, but this is terribly dangerous content too. This is the sort of content that we should not allow to air. And there are two ways to stop this. Disney's a big platform. They've got a lot of audience. So we can build our own Disney, which we're doing, by the way. We here, specifically we are doing that here. <laughs> we're the only group that's doing it, to my knowledge, in the, in the entire country. So I'm all for that. Build alternatives. You have to build market alternatives. But that's not enough. It's not enough to say, well, politics is downstream of culture. We just build your own Disney. Build your... It, it's important to engage in that, but that's not enough. We have got to wield political power to fight this. And I don't care which side of the GOP you are on. Almost everybody seems to be in agreement on this point. The real super squishes like Asa Hutchinson in Arkansas, the squishy Republican governor there, they're not totally on board, but almost everybody to the right of him is. This is a great moment. There's a ton of public support behind this. Now is the time to go, especially as we enter the 2024 primary contest. Every Republican is going to be trying to outflank each other to the right. Good. This can redound to the benefit of, of the party base and of the country. Keep on pushing, guys, and wield your political power to stop this dangerous nonsense. Speaking of weird, trans, queer, LGBT stuff, Sam Smith is a singer. I vaguely remember him from some parties I would go to in New York as a as a young man in my early 20s. Uh, but I haven't kept up with him. And since I listened to Sam Smith, he's become a pangender or a transgender, or I don't know. Apparently, he's got some really gross video, though. So Ben Davies wants to see how long I can watch this before I throw a hammer at the TV and turn it off. The rest of the show continues now. We've got a story that I haven't gotten to. Uh, we will get to that, and we will get to all of your comments. So become a member right now, dailywire.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Use code Knowles at checkout. You get two months free on all annual plans.